you know the name, right? It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Omaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes... What they signed, one, is to accept the primary election results, two, to promote peace and cohesion, three, in the event that they don't win, they will not resign from the party. In a bid to save the new patriotic party after November 4, its leadership gets the four contestants to pledge not to go the Alan Kodjo Chamantin way after defeat. Also coming up, Health Minister Kwekwajiman Menu directs Kualibu Teaching Hospital to open the dialysis unit following mass outcry. And later on Eyewitness News, our continuous focus on the aftermath of the Akosombo Dam spillage. We'll go to they are from Plains South District, where we are told over 25 communities have been affected, 2,000 residents displaced as a result, or affected, not displaced, but affected as a result of that particular spillage. Plus, we'll tell you about the mission by CTFM and City TV to the Greater Accra Region and Volta Region yesterday to deliver relief items and also cut the sword for the commencement of a center uh, for flood victims in that part of the country. We also have business news coming up later, and Eno has a latest headline. The Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research pushes for more strategies to diversify the economy to ensure growth. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe on citynewsroom.com. Let me list for you some of the stations that you can use to listen to Eyewitness News if you're going outside Accra. Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi, all of them in the Western region. We are in Bono region on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani, in Ahafo region on Hammers 106.5 FM in Gosu. We are in the Ashanti region on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi, in the Volta region on Aquini Radio 96.7 FM in Pandu, and Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohwe. In the northern region, we are on Dasma 99.1 FM in Yendi, on Word 88.3 FM in Zuarungu, and Upper East, we are on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura, and in Northeast, we are on Eagle FM 94.1 in Waliwali. We are on YouTube, we are on Facebook, we are on City Newsroom, and we are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996. On Point Blanc tonight, my guest is Sami Ewuku, his Director General 
of the National Lottery Authority. But for purpose of tonight's conversation, he's a manager of the Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia campaign team. It's a day before the new patriotic party goes to the polls. How prepared is that camp? But first, we start off uh, with issues having to do with the new patriotic party again the upcoming elections of saturday and then who has a summary of stories the candidates contesting in the flag bearer election of the new patriotic party have signed an undertaking not to resign from the party if they lose in the election on saturday this was the outcome of a meeting between the national council of elders and the candidates chairman of the council of elders hackman at the commencement of the meeting bemoaned the state of the party indicating that it had been plunged into disunity by the selfish interest of some individuals this relates to individuals living within groups so unity in diversity therefore suggests a happy equilibrium or harmony between these seeming dichotomies spanning the group up to the national level. Fellow patriots, taking a deeper look at our party today, I see a party which may be weak, weaker by attitude, our utterances, and our disrespect for each other, as well as lack of discipline. I see a party sometimes with disputes and difficulties and acrimony. I see a party where members are refusing to work together for a common goal. We have allowed our personal selfish interests to override the common good. I'm not pointing fingers at any one of us. Maybe we are all responsible. Fellow Petros, it becomes clear that some deep rifts, personal interests, and bitter political resentment might have reared their ugly heads, especially among all the presidential aspirants and their supporters. Deep divides have emerged over the past few weeks within the party, which nobody but ourselves can manage to reconcile. Fellow Petros, after the few weeks of breathless campaigning of campaign coverage, we can finally move on from the intrigues that have been eaten up and portion to our lives to, to make uh, due to negative media attention. Before moving on completely, though, it will be worthwhile to pause and examine what the ugly noises, courtesy Mr. J.B. Darocha, revealed about the MPP and what we need to do. Party unity is a necessary condition for the MPP to win the presidential election. No candidate can win elections without it. Ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, whether or not MPP is capable of breaking the eight depends chiefly on one question. What we can do to swallow our pride and egos and work together towards a common goal despite our differences in opinion.
We have the chairman of the National Council of Elders of the New Patriotic Party, Hakman Ousu Ajumai, addressing the press after the meeting. However, the general secretary of the party, Justin Frimpong Kuria, further indicated that candidates have agreed to accept the results and to put the interest of the party first. Which was organized by the, our party's National Council of Elders. At the meeting, we had the President of our Republic, His Excellency Nanal Dankwe Kufuado. We also had the former President, Jonathan Kufuado, joining us by Zoom. We had members of the Council, National Council of Elders, led by the Chairman of the National Council of Elders. The National Party was led by our able National Chairman, Mr. Stephen Ayesu, in team. We also had members of the Presidential Elections Committee, led by our revered Right Honorable uh, former Speaker, Professor Michael Cray, and the aspirants and their agents. The essence of the meeting was for all these key important stakeholders to understand that we are one family, and no matter the contest, no matter, no matter the tension that is associated with internal elections, at the end of the day, come November 4th, it is the MPP that will emerge as the winner. So there was a need for us to have this family meeting for everyone to make a comment where people have issues, to raise issues, and for us together to resolve any issue that exists. And I can say that the meeting was highly successful. And we give thanks to the Almighty God for seeing us through this very important meeting. I must also acknowledge that at the meeting too, we had some officers of our diaspora party also joining us. The long and short of it is that we're able to get the four aspirants contested, namely Honorable Kennedy Japo, His Excellency Dr. Al-Hajj Mohammed Baumia, Dr. Akutofi, and Honorable Adeo, all signing an, an undertaking. And in summary, what they signed to, and I'll read to all of you, one is to accept the primary election resource, two, to promote peace and cohesion, three, in the event that they don't win, they will not resign from the party, four, to support the winner of the primary. Five, to ensure and enforce mechanism that has been established by the party, and also to work within the timelines and duration that has been established by the party from now to the results are declared, and to respect the decision by the delegates of our party. And these are the signatures of the aspirants who came for the meeting.
You have the General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party, Justin Frimpong Kudia. This is News on 97.37. So how binding is this? Evans Nimaku is Director of Research and Elections of the New Patriotic Party. He's joining us on the line. Say, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. We are grateful that you agreed to speak to us tonight. First of all, uh, what informed is the fear of Alan Cash again? Thank you for having me, and my pleasure. Uh, greetings to your listeners and viewers across the world. The New Patriotic Party is set once again to ensure that our internal election will bring out a winner that is acceptable by all stakeholders within the party. If you care to know, we've gotten to the stage where, to a large extent, all the aspirants are presidential candidates. Believe that the New Patriotic Party is the party that can transform the New Patriotic Party. It is a contest. The party is therefore ready that whatever it will have to take internally to ensure that post the primaries, the party is united together to prosecute the election 2024 is exactly what the new patriotic party has set to do. This exercise or this August meeting was at the behalf of the National Council of Elders chaired by Honorable Hakman Usajima. And it is one of those exercises that, that the party is undertaking to ensure that the new patriotic party come November 4, 2023, after the party has won in eight primaries, we'll have everybody on board because we are going to an election primaries that has 204,144 delegates voting to select the party's presidential candidate. So the level of participation by the party ranking file is huge. And so this is an exercise to communicate to the whole world that the new Patriotic Party is ready to ensure that we come together to prosecute election 2024. It is not the fear of any, not the fear of any entity, but to invoke the spirit of the new Patriotic Party, invoke it and ensure that we are ready to win election 2024. All right, but this decision to make them sign... How democratic is that? This is an internal exercise. It's an exercise that does not flout any laws of the country. It doesn't go against any constitutional provision of the party. It is a persuasive exercise. It is an exercise that the candidate themselves voluntarily agreed to participate and ensure the party rank and file that, yes, they are in competition. It doesn't mean the new patriotic party will suffer by their actions, by their inaction. And also to communicate to their support base that they will accept the outcome of the result. They will congratulate with whoever gets to win the elections, and they will help the party to win election 2024. So, for some, it may not be legal, it may not be binding, but for us as New Patriotic Party, it brings a lot of bonding 
It brings a lot of teamwork. It brings a lot of unity. And we are focused to win elections 2024 with United Front. Now that you said it is just a, of persuasive nature, it means it's not binding at all. So if after November 4, one of them decides to leave, what is the consequence? What is the punishment for leaving after December, after November 4? We are not at that bridge yet, but we appreciate and commend the presidential candidate, i.e. Mr. Kennedy Japan, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, Dr. Akoto, and Engineer Adainimo, for the bold step they've taken to ensure that they come on board alongside their support base to give the communication to the party rank and file that they themselves are united in this cause and therefore expect their support base to come along, that the victory will be that of the new patriotic party and not each one of them. And so that is the signal that has been sent out today to the party and to the world. A lot of parties are not able to do this, but the new patriotic party has put in place a mechanism to ensure that all our presidential candidates will come together on one platform, an invitation by the National Council of Elders, witnessed by the President of the Republic, message from the former President, Mr. J. Kufo. And that tells you that the new patriotic party is purposive in our approach towards the objective we are working towards. Okay, my question again, and forgive me if I sound like I'm belaboring the point, the highest form of punishment a political party can give to a member is expulsion. Now, if the person leaves, you can't really do anything. So I'm just trying to see the point of this this, this memorandum. Well, what I will advise is that don't look at the negative. Rather, look at the positive. Because as I've said, it has taken the new patriotic party, the effort, the innovation to ensure that at the end of this internal exercise, the selection of our presidential candidate, the party will remain strong and stronger, above all, to pursue the agenda of winning election 2024. So this is one of the exercises that the party is pursuing. We have Saturday to honor the party with this election. And, 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 and for others, if they've not been able to do that, and the new patriotic party is able to bring together our candidates, who have been crisscrossing the party rank and file across the country, to have a time of their own, voluntarily agree to the path and say that whatever the outcome, not my interest, but that of the new patriotic party, I think it is more commendable than to say that it is not binding, it's not legal, and you can't do anything about it. They respect the new patriotic party. They want to be part of the winning history, and I can assure you that from the polling stations in all the 38,622 across the electoral area, across constituency, across the region, the new patriotic party will come out successfully after 30 days exercise, put together the force.
to win elections 2024. That is the message of the new Patriotic Party. Very well. Uh, how, how ready is your, your election machinery, election team uh, for Saturday, by the way? Is everything set and ready? I must say yes, because we've come this far with deep consultation with the presidential candidates, serious professional advice from the Electoral Commission and the Ghana Police Service. And so across the 275 constituencies, with the exception of Sunyani East, the party will organize our annual delegate congress. The congress is electing our presidential candidate. They will have another center at the party headquarters at Salam Down because there are other people that the party has created a constituency for. These are members of the National Council, members of the National Executive Committee, external branch members, past executives, ministers and deputy ministers, our youth, women, and NASA delegates will be voting at the party headquarters. The other people voting in the various constituencies are polling station executives, electoral coordinators, constituency executives, regional executives, as well as founding members of the party who signed the foundation documentation of the new patriotic party to procure the certificate upon which the new patriotic party exists today as a political party. And so these are the arrangements that the party has put in place. Okay. This is also going to be a working conference where delegates will just move in with their ID, any form of ID, be it party membership ID, voter ID, Ghana card, or your passport to identify yourself. All candidates have been given agents per voting center, and we expect that between the hours of 7 a.m. and 2 p.m., the new patriotic party will conduct this exercise and come out successfully. So election will close at 2 p.m.? That is the time that the polls will come to an end. However, if after 2, there are delegates in the queue, the EEC is obliged to ensure that they are able to exercise their franchise. What time do you estimate to have the declaration done? We are in the hands of the Lord and in the hands of the weather. The battle is the Lord. Hopefully, by close of day, Saturday, or we say by close of business Saturday, the new Patriotic Party will adore eight presidential candidates at the forecourt of the Casper Stadium. Thank you so much for speaking to us and wish you all the best, sir. My pleasure. That's Evans Nimako. He's Director of Elections and Research of the New Patriotic Party. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. The Christian Council of Ghana has strongly denounced the actions of national security operatives who reportedly assaulted residents of Garu and Timpani in the Upper East Region on Sunday, October 29. 
Allegedly, the military's aggression was in response to an attack on national security operatives by a vigilante group in Garu. This assault resulted in over 50 individuals being hospitalized. In an interview with City News, the General Secretary of the Christian Council, Reverend Dr. Cyril Fayosi, called upon the military high command to thoroughly investigate the incident and administer appropriate sanctions as necessary. The Christian Council of Ghana is very concerned about the rampant attacks on civilians by the military. The military is supposed to defend the country as a whole. It is not their responsibility to vent their anger on innocent civilians. We join the many voices that have condemned the Karu incident, and uh, we are also going to make our position on the matter very clear by releasing a statement to that effect. I also want to take the opportunity to commiserate with the victims of the recent attack at Daru. I think the military high command should look into the matter very seriously and not only bring uh, uh, people who have violated their rules to order, but also uh, put in, in place steps that will prevent such actions from happening. Reverend Dr. Cyril Fayosi is the General Secretary of the Christian Council of Ghana. Members of Parliament have called for an immediate ceasefire between Israel and Hamas to protect vulnerable citizens as of October 30, 2023. Data indicates over 8,000 Palestinians have been killed and 20,000 injured due to the conflict. Additionally, 1,000 Israelis have lost their lives. Lawmakers, in response to the Deputy Foreign Affairs Minister's statement on the conflict, emphasized the importance of upholding citizens' rights amidst the situation. Israel is a home to most Christians from this country. And therefore, anything that happens in Israel will affect the majority of Christians who want to go on pilgrimage there. And therefore, calling on ceasefire, absolute ceasefire, or between the Palestinians and Israelis is in the right direction. We stand for positive neutrality in this matter. Mr. Speaker, we bemoan the unlawful invasion of Israel by Hamas, and I believe that everybody in this world bemoans that act of unlawful invasion. I've come to a point when they have to begin to reflect. They may have reflected upon it now that they didn't have the right to go into other country, another can person's country, to cause the harm they caused. So at this point, Mr. Speaker, the Parliament of Ghana should ask for an immediate ceasefire, not for even humanitarian ceasefire. I would have wished the government not to deal directly with the situation, to be saying Palestinians stop, these people stop work. Just call for ceasefire, so that you see that government of Ghana is calling for ceasefire, Mr. Speaker. That is, that is the, the, the least we can do. Those are some members of parliament calling for an immediate ceasefire of the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Now, the health minister, Kwekwajima Menu, has directed the Kolebu Teaching Hospital to immediately open the renal unit for outpatient services. The unit has been closed since May this year, with the Renal Patients Association calling for the reopening of the unit as many of the members were dying. At a, press, at a recent press conference, they indicated that 19 people had died since its closure in May. The public relations officer of the Ministry of Health, Isaac Ofebar, says the hospital is expected to communicate the directive to the general public.
is this morning the Honorable Minister have uh, directed the Chief Executive of South Kolebu to, as a matter of urgency, see to the opening of the centre. And so he directed as well that once it is open, Kolebu should issue a statement for the general public to know exactly what is going on and when they can get access to the place. Why has this become necessary? We've been complaining for months. Is there a particular reason why it's been done today? Was a meeting conveyed? Can you tell us more about it? It has become an issue that uh, the Honorable Minister himself is not happy about the closure. And so all the needed um, challenges that associated the closure, the Honorable Minister has taken it up himself. He's working on it up to the point that he has gotten to. He feels like Kolebu should be able to open it and start to work. And that is how come he had directed that they should open for people to assess. And even if there is any challenge, they should continue to dialogue as the people are having access to the place, to the centre. Public Relations Officer of the Ministry of Health, Isaac Barr of Fair. The Renal Patients Association is expressing hope that the Ministry of Health's directive to reopen the renal unit at Kolebu Teaching Hospital to outpatients will be followed. Kujahinkra is spokesperson for the association. There has not been any communication from Kolebu authorities to us that the place has been open. So when I came, the normal usual thing. They are just doing their normal OPD, um, the inpatient cases and that of emergency. I went in there, I saw there, there are some patients on the machine, but they are those on admission that need dialysis, that they are on the machine. But for we, the OPD people that we are adjusting, so we've not heard anything from them. I don't know whether it's going there's a attached them to find out because there has not been any communication from Colombo authorities to us that the place has been open. So when I came, the normal usual thing. They are just doing their normal OPD, um, the inpatient cases and that of emergency. I went in there, I saw there, there are some patients on the machine, but they are those on admission that need dialysis that they are on the machine. But for we, the OPD people that we are adjusting, so we've not heard anything from them. I don't know whether it's going, there's any information going to come out later or whatever, but as we are speaking now, there is no any information from anywhere asking with the OPD to report to the On 22nd May, we were here, for me, it was even my session. We were here, when we came for that, they told us that the consumables, normally the lines, the dialysis, the things that we use for dialysis, dialysis is finished. And that we should find a place to do it for maybe a couple of days or something, they will get back to us. That is what has landed as well. So I think about a month ago, we got information and we've gotten some of the consumables. So we're expecting that we'll be called because here the rules are that because we are many, about 250, uh, they've putting us into categorization. We have Monday people, we have Tuesday people, we have Wednesday people, all the days have got their people. Kujahinkra, spokesperson for the Renal Patients Association. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. Kwabna Minta Akando is a member of parliament, former deputy minister and a ranking on the health committee of parliament. He's the one who's been making the calls for the renal unit to be open. In fact, he gave the authorities 24-hour ultimatum. That was a week or so ago, which has since the last, they did not mind him. Now, the minister has uh, given the directive and our checks as of 5 p.m. this evening suggested that the renal unit at Kolebu was not open. Exactly what is the problem there? Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, you had said it should be open. The minister has directed that it should be opened. 
Now it has not. Where is the problem coming from? The ministry, the 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 Kolebu teaching hospital, or it's a financial problem? What it means is that the minister is on is not on top of his job. What it means is that I think we are better off not having even any minister in that ministry. If a whole minister could give a directive that the place must be open and that the place is still closed, <laughs> I don't really get it. But Omaru, you have been monitoring this issue for some time now. It's been in the media for some time now. In fact, the place was closed to OPD since May till date. And as of my last check, about 19 people have died. Since I was born, Omaru, I've never seen such an insensitive government like this before. Nobody cares. People can die and nobody cares. We have gone to the place, we have engaged the management. We've gone to the minister, we've engaged the minister. The minister gave us all the assurances in the world that it was going to be opened. We went back to the place, it was still closed. We gave the ultimatum, as you have rightly stated, and the place was still not opened. So this morning, on the floor of the house, I made a statement. I gave some suggestions, and I, I requested that the minister be brought to the floor of the house to tell the whole house, by extension, the whole country, why the Rena unit of Kolobu has been closed for this long. And by God's grace, the speaker upheld my request, and so the house has summoned the minister to appear before the house on the ninth Thursday this month to tell us why the 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 unit has not been opened. But when the majority leader, the majority chief point, was contributing to my statement, he told the house that before his contributions. He had made few checks, and as far as he is concerned, the minister will be directing for the reopening, immediate reopening of the place, and that Kolebu itself will also issue a statement, and so we should be reassured. That notwithstanding, he agrees with us that the minister must appear on the floor of the house to tell us more. So if after now, the place has not been opened, I mean, what is the minister doing there? It, it, the minister can fire, hire and fire people who work there. So if the minister has come out to direct that the place must be open, and people are in Kolebu and insisting that they will not open up the place for outpatient, uh, 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 the renal unit outpatient department, then <laughs> I don't get it. I don't so, get so, it. The country so, so. is on autopilot. So the solution lies with the minister then. When he appears, you think you can finally you can finally know what to do? Because the only thing you can do is to give the directive. And if that directive is not being adhered to, maybe there's a bigger challenge. No, you see, what is a bigger what is a bigger challenge, Omaru? When we went to engage the 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 management, they told us that there's a deficit. So it's money issue. Money. And the money they are mentioning four million thereabouts. Is it, is it beyond us? Is it above us that we cannot pay four million and that people are dying? Four million Ghana cities per either a quarter or a year. As, I mean, a, a, a deficit. And now we are looking on and we are counting dead people. There were 14 dead. Now they've gotten the 19. And tomorrow they will be dying. And we are looking on and nobody cares. And there's a president in this country. 
There's a certain vice president who wants to become a president. Nobody is talking. Nobody cares. And the minister gives directives, and they say you can go to hell. What kind of country do we find ourselves in now? And what should we do that we have not done as minority groups? What should we do, including even issuing ultimatums? Even if the minister of the sector says they should open and they will not open, how on earth would they listen to my ultimatum? ultimatum? So I, I don't get the insensitivity. I have never seen this level of insensitivity before. I have never. How? People are dying. We can do politics with whatever. We can be, we can talk with whatever issue in this country. But look, healthcare is not a brick and mortar. It's not. It goes beyond that. It goes, and our healthcare sector is not in the best of shape as I speak to you now. Go to Rage Hospital tomorrow. Go to Rage Hospital. About three, four days ago, I went there. They don't even have a single imaging machine. machine. A single one. And we are here testing agenda one one one. I see the burden will treat people. The burden will treat people. I mean, I mean. Let's, oh. let's leave it here. Sorry. Uh, thank you so much, Honorable uh, Minta Kando, Member of Parliament, okay. ranking on the Health Committee, speaking to us there about the challenges of the renal unit, uh, the instruction given by the Minister, uh, which instruction has not been uh, acted upon. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Now, yesterday... Uh, Yesterday, um, I was not on Eyewitness News, and that's because I joined a team of uh, CTFM staff and management to um, do the sword-cutting ceremony or the groundbreaking ceremony in Adan for the second displacement center we are setting up or building for persons who have been displaced by the floods from the Akosombo Dam spillage. Now, aside that, we also went to three other communities to distribute relief items. Now, the relief effort that we organize for flood victims in the lower water basin is a campaign we've started for some time now. The team visited the towns of Anyako, Galosota, Blekusu, and Agbozume, all in the Volta region. And this marks the third time that the city family stepped forward to assist victims of one of the most substantially or substantial humanitarian crisis to strike Ghana recently. So Richard Delaskai was on that team. Bernadavle was on that team. Um, a number of other persons were on that team. Sky put out together this particular report from there. Let's listen. Within the tranquil setting of the Anglo district in the lower Volta area, a clear sound reverberates through the air. A modest handheld bell wielded with ease by Gladys, a respected community leader in Galosota, calls out to flood displaced villages. They soon gather for a heartfelt presentation ceremony. So 
So the truck that we used to uh, bring the items here, a trailer, a long trailer is actually reversing presently to offload the items. We have arrived with relief items contributed generously by loyal listeners, viewers, and esteemed partners of the two stations. The residents, resilient despite the recent floods, have been waiting for hours beneath the protective shade of trees in the area. Since their lives were appended by the deluge, they have sought refuge in partially constructed local school buildings where they share their space with unwelcome guests like mosquitoes and reptiles. At the town square, anticipation fills the air as the contents are carefully unloaded from a long trailer truck. These are gifts from the listeners of City FM and viewers of City TV. Here, English has little power, so I will quickly switch to my native Ebbe to explain the treasures hidden beneath the securely fastened tarpaulin. Alaba <laughs> The precious cargo includes bags of rice, beans, maize, water, canned fish, tins of evaporated milk, cooking pots, gas cookers, charcoal, clothing, detergents, toiletries, and so much more. Bernard Avler, our mission leader, handed over these lifelines to one of the four assemblymen representing the community. So on behalf of uh, listeners of CTFM and viewers of CTTV and all our partners who have contributed in various ways, we present this bag symbolic of all the things we've said we've brought to support the four communities affected by flooding. We've seen it with our own eyes and we hope this will go a long way to help alleviate your suffering while we also tell the story better for a more permanent solution. So on behalf of all our partners, we say receive this from our viewers and our listeners. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. On behalf of these four electoral areas comprising of Galosota, Ajato, uh, Fiaho, and Azanu, we are grateful. We are saying we are grateful for CTTV for bringing this to us to help put a smile on the face of the flood victims. We are grateful. God will bless them. Thank, thank you. you very thank much. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just hours before, our team had presented a similar shipment to a spirited crowd of flood victims from Anyako, Konu, and Seva, all in the Keta municipality of the Volta region. So on behalf of listeners of CTFM, viewers of CTTV, and all the companies that supported our mission to bring relief to Southern Volta, I present... This is a symbolic uh, pack of milk, but it's emblematic of a whole assortment of things that we've brought to support the people of the three communities, Anyako, Kung, and Seva. We hope that the leadership of the town through Togbe's wisdom and the very hardworking assemblyman, Mr. Siade, will make sure that these items reach the right people, hoping that it will auto-motivate other people the, the disaster is too big for one company or a few people to take glory in. Yeah. So we use our medium to let people see that there's a bigger need that we can meet. And we are hoping that those of you who are watching on TV can also find your way here and support this beautiful city which has been inundated by water, which needs our support. So Togwe, on behalf of uh, the people of the three communities, I'm handing this over to Assemblyman, please support. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Our journey through the lower Volta area quickly leads us through a sequence of towns from Tregui and Srongwe to Angloga, Jalukopa, Kata, Haveji, and the countless hamlets and communities along the way. We soon reached Blakusu, a breathtaking coastal community, weathering the relentless onslaught of tidal waves and the havoc caused by surging floods from the Keta Lagoon. These floods are a consequence of rising sea levels and the spillage of excess water from the Akosombo Dam. In Blakusu, in the Ketusaab municipality of the Volta region, our team is warmly welcomed by Togbi Agbali III, the chief of the community, in a symbol of unity in the face of adversity. So uh, we are very happy to meet you, to welcome you here to Blakusu today, that when you heard of the disaster to the floods, floods from the sea, 
from the lagoon, the spillage from the Akosomo Dam, and also the heavy rains that we've experienced uh, this year, you took it upon yourself to travel all the way to Blakusu with all these uh, donations which are lying in front of us. On behalf of uh, the Blakusu community and uh, on behalf of the assembly member, the union committee members, the elders, my other chiefs, we thank you very much for honoring us with all these uh, beautiful gifts, with all these uh, goods, goodies that you brought to us to just uh, comfort us, to make life more meaningful to those who are really affected. So on behalf of the whole community, may the Almighty himself thank you and all your donors, the philanthropists who donated generously for this uh, gesture, may they be replenished hundredfold. Thank you very much. Earlier, a similar package was dispatched to Agbozume within the Sungma traditional area. So we are breaking the ground in the name of the Father, Kung. of the Son, Kung. and of the Holy Spirit. The day began earlier with a significant event. At the Adar East District Assembly, Mr. Bernard Avle and District Chief Executive Sarap Dubaki Pobi officially marked the start of construction of a temporary shelter designed to accommodate at least 200 flood victims in the Adar area. So, you know, they said Paul planted Apollo's water and God gave the increase. So DC Dag City collected, but God is the one who built. So we are putting, this is the first effort to show that the work will happen mm -hmm. and we'll build the house because God is with us. Amen. And in a month's time, we'll finish and house the people. Amen. And when the new buildings are finished and the poor are resettled, Amen. the building will be converted to another use Amen. in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. The collective efforts of the city family, supported yesterday by organizations like MTN, Sika, and Yara, the smiles returned to the faces of flood victims who may have lost everything but not their enduring hope, as life's path may soon be illuminated with your continued support. The people of these communities remain unyielding in their resolve, and their moving gratitude is fully expressed in the words of this moving Anglo song, as performed yesterday by the women of Blakusu. Richard Delasky, City News, Blakusu. What Skyfield to add there is that he was breaking his waist to some Agbaja, supported by Bernard's skinny waist. <laughs> I abstained and watched them perform that dance. In a bizarre way, as Bernard was doing it, Sky, though, excellently dancing to the Agbaja tune in 
that community in the Ketu South municipality. It is a continuous support by Team City. We'll be going to the next community and we'll be communicating that to you. If you have been touched by what you've heard, please continue sending your support and we promise you, as a relevant radio that we are, we would make sure the people who deserve it get it. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB, personal loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Inu Safo. Let's settle for the details. The Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research is warning about the overdependence on a few primary commodities, saying it makes Ghana vulnerable to volatile commodity prices. In its 2022 State of the Economy report, the Economic and Policy Institution called for modification of value chain structures to add value to primary products towards adapting to such price volatility. Here's the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, Professor Peter Corte. Over the years, cocoa, gold and other minerals have served as well. But uh, we, it also experiences commodity prices. And if we don't diversify the economy and tend to rely solely on this product that uh, wouldn't augur well for a country. Uh, same with oil. Uh, gradually, they are we are finding substitutes even with electrical vehicles. Uh, some vehicles are no longer using oil to power their engines. So there is a need to diversify the economy, not to rely solely on the few primary commodities, be agriculture or uh, minerals, but diversify this product, non-traditional exports, especially chili, peppers, and uh, some of the avocados uh, and many other things that would bring in money and also add value to our primary products. We don't tend to add value, we export them always in their raw form. And and that doesn't augur well um, can lead to commodity price shocks which can affect the economy significantly. You heard the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research. Finance Minister Keno Furiata has reaffirmed government's efforts at attaining economic resilience. He notes that the present macroeconomic measures indicate that the government is progressing well, poised to surpass the anticipated growth rate of 1.5%. Speaking at the Ghana Mutual Prosperity Dialogues, Mr. Furiata stressed the government's dedication to its growth strategy, highlighting the crucial role of the private sector as a foundational element in this agenda. Thankfully, the work and working together, we have seen improvements in this in the indicators, as I made clear in the media's budget statement. Our economy is expected to continue growing now and over the medium term. The numbers reflect the turn in the corner for our economy. Economic growth has been resilient this year, averaging 3.2%. In the first two quarters, compared to 3% in the same period in 2022, mainly on the back of growth in services, averaging 6.3%, and agriculture, averaging 6.2%. We are on track to beat the 2023 revised growth target of 1.5%. According to Sela assessment, our future growth prospects are much brighter. 
additionally, inflation is expected to soften. So far, we have witnessed inflation fall from 54% from 16% to 38.1% in September 2023, while interest rates have declined since the end of the last year. This, of course, is in contrast to what we experienced 2017 to 2020. Kenofriat also revealed that the 2024 budget scheduled to be presented in Parliament on November 15 will introduce strategies that will create jobs for the youth. As part of the 2024 budget, the will also roll out this new strategy to complement the macro-fiscal reforms we are implementing under the IMF program. This is to ensure that growth, jobs, and critical components are in of trade, this year was also seen to aggressively abandon the business regulatory environment and promote our business program for experts and job creation. And as I said, we intend um, to fashion um, new regulatory processes to ensure that um, the country is an attractive place for both domestic investors and for investors. There are significant opportunities in a number of areas um, that the Ministry of Trade has identified, so there's room for everyone in the journey towards co-creating a mutual prosperity. We cannot leave any room for missteps, and to safeguard a mutual advancement, government commits to regular consultations of you through this platform to ensure that your needs are consistently prioritized. You heard Finance Minister Ken Oforiata speaking there. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Trade and Industry has hinted of a business strategy aimed at streamlining business operations within the country. The strategy, once fully executed, is anticipated to advance the growth objectives of both the public and private sectors. Katie Hammond, the sector minister, revealed this initiative during the Ghana Mutual Prosperity Dialogue, which, entered, which centered on the theme of investment, growth and jobs. We have realized in the country that complicated and uh, difficult regulatory environments can really be disincentive for investment. That's why we have tried to diversify our regulatory environments. Very soon, the ministry, for the help of mutual finance, going to roll out a new and simpler form of business regulatory strategy. Because we are aware that the businesses and your businesses are as good as the institutional and the regulatory framework that underpin your businesses. We done something else. Apart from recent program that was run by the president, Together with my colleague, the Minister for Agriculture, and with a relatively very short period, about three years or so, when we decided to seek the deal to the alternative industry. 
That was the Minister of Trade and Industry, KT Hammond. The Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana is lamenting the high cost of doing business at the ports. The group says local hauling charges by shipping lines as well as taxes is contributing to a surge in prices of goods. Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association, Samson Asakia Wingobit, in an interview with City Business News says this is contributing to a decline in trading activities at the ports. The conditions of Ghanaians impoverishing now has a, a negative impact on the business community. And that is to say that you, you import, you pay high duties, the goods are locked up in their wares. So that is how bad it is. And so government taxes on us, coupled with the shipping lines, local handling charges, it will surprise you to note that one will import, like, say, 100 containers or 10 containers on one document called the bid of leading, the bid of leading. Then the shipping company will say, I'm take, after you have paid your duty, I am taking you what we call a local handling charge. If the container happened to be 40 40 containers, a shipping line like a mix line will say, I'm taking 10,000 for local handling charges. It's not like I'm taking 10,000 per bill, but they will, they will say 10,000 times the number of containers you have on one document, one bit of leading. And that alone is also an increase of cost of doing business now, Paul. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Inu Safo. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News, be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, I'm giving you two short, two direct. My guest is the Director General of the National Lotteries Authority. But for purposes of tonight's conversation, we're talking politics because he's been a politician, he was a politician, he's a politician, and looks like he will be a politician. Samir Wuku. He's a campaign manager of the Dr. Mahmoud Baumia campaign team. He's my guest on Point Blank. Kapo, as they call you. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Omaru. Now I should add lawyer, right? Uh, Omaru, you've known me from childhood. So no, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's stick to that. <laughs> I think that's a familiar terrain. <laughs> but we can say lawyer. Okay. I don't want you to list my 10 cents. No, no. So I'm, keep, I'm, keep me within the appreciable <laughs> limits. Let me call you lawyer so that you get that's a lot right. of pro bono people uh, coming to ask you to do pro bono uh, cases. Don't don't open the floodgate for one. But your you have a high court, right? Uh, yes, we do. Ah, but sorry? it's actually in Mampong. Ah, it's in Mampong. Okay, but that's in your constituency. That's in my hometown proper. Oh, then yes. It's in the constituency, but that's my hometown. And yeah, they will come. They will yes, come for you. So yes. just have to. And it's actually less than five minutes from my house. In oh, Mampong. okay, okay. So it's at a good place. I think I should quickly ask you how is your home constituency doing? Uh, very well. I think things well. are going well for you. Um, when the party opens nominations, I'll contest. You I plan mean, to definitely, run, but for now, my whole concentration is on 
Vice President Dr. Baumia becoming the leader of our party and flag bearer of our party. You've decided to divert the thing and bring it to Baumia so that I don't talk about you and the oh. constituency. But you know, I'll ask uh, small. Yes, yes. No, you, 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 you rose through the ranks of the party to. Was national organizer? No, deputy communications director first. Okay. Then to national youth leader. Yes. Then to national organizer. So your highest position in the party was national organizer. National organizer. I'm just wondering right. why. You left party administration and you want to go to parliament. What is the what was the idea? I think there? it's a new challenge, a new experience, and I also believe that um, after serving as national organizer, the passion in the, wasn't there again to um, continue to the next level. I thought that the fire in the belly had gone down, and in, in all endeavors, you have to always assess your strength. Mm -hmm. And it was time for me to exit for my colleagues who had the fire in the belly and that burning passion to move the party to the next level. And so far, they, they've been fantastic. Mm. And so Ecropon is a place you're looking at to enter parliament from. Exactly. Okay. And, and uh, interestingly, my constituency chairman happens to be with your team here. Don't say it. Don't say it. Uh -huh. uh, why are you saying this one? <laughs> say you me? brought it. Why are you mentioning chairman no, Omani's no, name? No, say you brought it. But you don't have to mention so chairman Omani's so name. decided to put the, the city is refreshing uh, in their constituency. It, it's okay. Let's move away from Ecropon. This one, they have decided. Let's talk about DVF. I said DVF. NLA. <laughs> Why is that significant development? And um, I will appreciate if I can get some time down in a week. Because mm. um, we've done quite some uh, good stuff. And uh, our licensing, our registration period for next year, we've moved it from 1.5 million that you know people were entitled to pay down to 500,000. Okay. And so that's positive. The 2024. That's positive. And, and lots of other things that we want to bring up. Okay. But I will appreciate that. I don't color the NLA this evening. That's fine. Uh, I'm so going to I, I'm uh, going to move, but I'll just take one thing from NLA, which is too fine. short, too direct. Please. And the day I to get to know the numbers, that means my position has become untenable. <laughs> and, so, and I'll willingly resign. So let's talk about number two on the ballot yes. of the of the upcoming election for Saturday. True. First of all, why did you decide that Baumia is a person you would want to work with and work for and see holding your flag after Nanakufado? Um, once again, good evening to your cherished uh, listeners. The MPP is confronted with a huge challenge in 2024. The party will be seeking to do something that has not been done before, but not something that is impossible. And once you're seeking to do something you haven't done before, that means you have to be innovative. For you to be transformative, you have to be innovative. And um, you have to also break new barriers, new grounds. In 2024, the NPP will be up against another formidable opponent uh, from the NDC side. And then um, somebody who has also been uh, MP, has been uh, uh, deputy minister, he's been minister, he's been vice president, he's been president. That's President Mahama. Then you have Dr. Baumia as well also coming in as a four times running mate of Nane Kufuado and the MPP and twice uh, or a two-term vice president. And I will be happy to see Dr. Baumia emerge as winner on Saturday because he presents the MPP with multiple opportunities um, as we seek to also break the aid. Politics is about strategy. Politics is a numbers game. If you look at the NDC currently, they are eating deep into our turf, to our home grounds, and that has to do with uh, even our Shanty region. They had over 600,000 plus votes. And these are new areas that they are trying to also garner some support and vote to augment their three major strongholds. That is the Zongos, that is the North, and that is the Volta. 
As I sit here, I'm a politician of reality. There's no mathematical gymnastics that can convince me that the NPP can win voter region in 2024. No. It doesn't look certain. No, 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 no. Not, it's not, not even certain. a dream. We, we will work to improve upon our fortunes there. I'm, I'm saying I'm being a realist mm -hmm. here. You work to improve upon your fortunes, win some votes there. But the two other strongholds of the NDC, that is the North and the Zongos, then becomes a battleground when you have a candidate like Dr. Baumia. If you take the North... So, the, so you are reducing the stronghold of the NDC? You, you will have to... Or you are neutralizing you, it? You, 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 are, you are reducing and neutralizing. And when you even can, you also have to overtake them. The NDC had a World Bank in the old northern region. In the old northern region had Northeast and Savannah as part of the old northern region. That They had a, a total of 31 constituencies. Out of the 31 constituencies, the NDC had 27 which was a World Bank arrangement. Left with four for you? Four. NPP only had four. When Mahmoud Baumia became our running mate, he worked hard to improve upon our fortune. In 2020, we reduced the NDC's World Bank into a microfinance, more or less bringing them from 27 supermajority to 15, and the NPP moved from four to 16. This was not achieved by... You know, and this for the three regions, Savannah, yeah, Northeast, and yes. Northern. And then again, if you also look at the, the contribution of the Northern Bloc and the vote to our party's fortune in 2020, if Dr. Baumi and the team had not worked a lot up there, the MPP would have been a minority in Parliament. Politics, you consolidate your gains and improve upon your fortunes in other areas. That is the electoral side. Then... One thing that attracted me to Dr. Baumia and to help him, for him to also achieve his dreams, aspirations, and goals, I asked him some critical questions when he had a chat with me that he wanted to run for the high office. I asked him, what are the two things that inspires him to run for this office? There should be an inspiration behind it. There should be a spread behind the decision. He said, look, Sammy, we've done so well as a party and government within the last few years we've been in government. We need to consolidate our gains and improve upon it. Two things that I want to look at is how to create more opportunities for the young people of our country. And secondly, also make sure that <coughs> the NPP is solid on the ground and becomes a party of choice, capable of winning an election any day. And also improve upon the economic situation. Umaru, um, the sincerity in his eyes and the passion to deliver every president comes to the table with his own set of vision and i find it interesting when people say oh a kufado's third term will be baumia i don't think the kufado has served his two terms baumia won't be an extension of president kufado he will be an he, he, he will work to improve upon what his boss might have left uh, him and, and the Ghanaian people with. and i'm saying this because Every leader comes to the table with his own set of ideas and vision. If you're a vice president and a running mate, you are there to also help the man achieve his vision. If you take Professor Mills and President Rawlings, people said, oh, Professor Mills was going to be a continuation of Rawlings. A poodle. A poodle. In fact, well, people even named him as a poodle. Mm -hmm. Some but, people from your side, continue. Um, when Mills became president, Mills had his own set of ideas, his vision. And he championed that, be it foreign policy and be it local policy. I foresee Dr. Baumia helping us to deepen whatever we believe in as a party.
expanding the frontiers of our democracy and reach when it comes to our electoral fortune. Again, improving upon the economic situation of our country. I liken the NDC and the MPP situation to a contractor who built for you and after plastering and having the building put up, properly so-called, one day there was just drizzling, not torrential rain, drizzling, and the building comes down. You cannot compare that contractor to somebody who built for you, drizzling, the building did not come down, raining, the, rain, the, the, the building did not, but when there was an earthquake, that moved almost all the buildings in the enclave. That building contractor cannot be faulted to be a, not to be a good contractor. So if you look at the MPP's performance from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, these were the high points of our government. And this government faced its own biggest tragedy with, this, with the senseless war in the eastern part of Europe and that of COVID that nobody ever anticipated. People think that it's been overflogged, the, the issue of COVID and all. Look, across the world, people still feel the pinch at the pump. So for you to heap it on the head of one man, for me, I find it very interesting. Okay. But the first quarter of this year, the NDC elected their leader and the leader of opposition, if I'm right. I've still, I haven't had any major policy alternative from the NDC when it comes to solving even the problems that confront us today as a nation. Actually, I remember John Muhammad doing something one evening where he did an address from the UPSA. That's okay. something we can check online. Okay. But I want us but, to deal with Norway. But Omaru, yes. uh, we will come to that. Mm. Do you remember three or four policy alternatives that he, he preferred? If you want me to list them for you, I can. Oh, but I, do. I'm not supposed to be doing uh, that. Uh, I, no, no, I, but we are also no, supposed you, you to be sharing. You are the campaign manager. Well, I'm, sure, but, I'm sure you have, well, you have well, analyzed well, John Well, we have. And in fact, you analyzed the NDC's manifesto for 2012. Yes. And about 80% of the things that they even listed, they never implemented it when they won in 2012. But we'll come to that post-November. Okay. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just interested in the history of vice presidents taking over from their bosses. Mm -hmm. It's a rare thing. We're we only seeing that in Kenya, but even Ruto is not going on the party. He had to break away and do something very crazy to be able to become president in Kenya. Males didn't succeed, at least in the Ghana term. And even... In 2008, Kufo was not handing over to his vice president, but the person he chose, again, that's the issue of the breaking the aid, but specifically on vice presidents. Is it that easy? And why are you thinking that it's going to be easy? Because the sins of Akufado will be visited on him. The sins of Akufado being the, the poor performance of government now, or the challenges that this government has faced and is facing, where people are jackpying like nobody's business. You cannot say that Dr. Baumia's name would not be mentioned whenever people mention. I Akufado. mean, um, the government the government was not made up of one person. Mm. But it was run by <laughs> uh, it was formed uh, by one person. It, so. it was formed by one person. And Article fifty eight fifty nine also details out of our country details out those who act on behalf of the president mm. in various capacities. Mm -hmm. One thing that I love about Dr. Baumia is he acknowledges that there are challenges. Mm -hmm. But he also acknowledges the fact that we can solve these challenges. Mm -hmm. he, st he stood by his ball street take and thing and that of the party. His loyalty to the NPP is unbridled. And again, he's of the opinion that where we made significant gains, we improve upon it. Where we face challenges, we look out for it and make sure that we do not fall into these temptations. I do not know of the sense but of a Kufuado, but what I do know of, you, what you, um, I'm, I'm guessing that you mean is that the challenges, the successes, the plus and minus of the MPP administration. The sense being mostly being the negatives, yes. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. These the, are fight, the fight well, against well, corruption, these, these are, which has been described by someone who is in the corruption space, uh, Ibuidi of 
of CDD saying that President Kufado's fight against corruption has been abysmal. No, the I, issue I, I, I of think the, the fight against corruption is not one man. Uh, I, I know, but it's, it's, a, it's a collective. But because we run an executive government, yes. you you blame the yeah. president. Uh, because you blame John Mahama, you called him incompetent. Yeah. Even when the power was out, yeah. he, he didn't. He I, I wasn't working. I think that the attitude of the people to uh, to come to play. Okay. If somebody is somewhere in Yape Kusogo mm -hmm. or somewhere around um, um, Baudier, and the person, let's say a police officer, I'm using that as an example, mm -hmm. stops a, a motor rider and extorts from the person, mm -hmm. the president seated at the Jubilee House may not know mm -hmm. what has happened there that day. Mm -hmm. So the attitude of our people too must also help. No, but I'm just saying that when, when, when the light, but I think that the light fight against off, corruption, you said the backstop of the, the president. But the so. president's fight against, you can fight corruption with mm -hmm. institutional framework mm -hmm. and the institutions of states that you have anti-graft and anti-corruption agencies. If you look at the allocation to these anti-graft bodies, anti-corruption bodies, significantly high. Again, in terms of personnel, in terms of retooling. So yes, on his part, he has laid down the policy framework. Mm -hmm. He says he's resourced them to also work. Mm -hmm. It's also up to the individuals okay. who are there to make sure that... So the vice president is not by law, but it's become a precedent where the vice president chairs the economic management team. Yeah. So you notice that the blame of, of the accusations, no, not accusations, but attacks on the economy are mostly directed at him. Again, because he was the one who was frontal in the attack against John Mahama. Mm -hmm. He has said so many things when he was opposition running mate. Mm -hmm. Now he's vice president. Mm -hmm. We have seen what the CD has become. Mm -hmm. We have seen what the the, the fuel prices have become. Mm -hmm. You cannot really, mm -hmm. again, blame Akufado. People don't even want to blame Akufado. They want to blame his vice president. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a positive <laughs> or a negative. Well, but well first of all, when, when, how would you deal with that? Okay, Umaro, so when you say we've seen what the city had become, we also did not say that we saw how the city also gained significant strength from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. And collapsed. And now well, we start to But that's what I'm cities. saying, that whatever happened post-2020, has been the world's biggest tragedy, mm -hmm. not just a Ghanaian tragedy. Inflation was at an all-time high 40 years in UK, over 30-something years in the US. Several countries ran to the IMF, not over 100 countries mm -hmm. had run to the IMF. So it's not a Ghanaian situation. Again, when these challenges come, what is the response of government? And I'll, I'll give you what the MPP and that of President Ekufuado's government also did to cushion the people. Um, during those difficult moments, this government was ready to break the vote at the bank to protect its citizens. We had to make a choice between the economy and that of the human lives. Trump made a choice. He chose the economy over human lives and in excess of one million Americans died. Several countries that made a choice of economy over human lives suffered the consequences of it. I take you to Spain and Italy. It was clear from the narrative of their prime ministers that at a point they said they had given up because the doctors had to choose between people who would die and those who would live. But in Ghana, that wasn't the situation. The government was willing to spend whatever we had in our kitty to cushion the poor, the vulnerable, and make sure we still provided for our essential needs. Whilst the educational system was brought to its knees and closed, we were still paying workers who were sitting at home. Okay. So all these things were done to also cushion the Ghanaian people. Of course, post that, there's now a rebound. We are gradually recovering from our economic situation. And even if you look at the IMF's report and their latest one, they are shocked about Ghana's economic recovery. And they believe that it's been faster than what they predicted. Again, let me take you back to those who, who claim that um, what had become of the CD and all that. Last year, 
somewhere around November, just exactly around this period, you saw the, the, the worsening situation of the city. Almost every day, CTFM was giving the new uh, 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 the CD new, the new dollar figure. figure. Mm, mm. For eight months now, we've, we've stabilized from the 17 cities that it was a year ago to around 11 cities or so. And it's stable, so you have businesses able to, to plan. I am not saying that Ghana has become um, 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 the New York or Ghana has become, okay. uh, Ghana is in its better shape. But we, we, we definitely, we are moving out of the, the, the problems that we faced last year. With this gold for oil, mm -hmm. when Vice President Baumia brought this idea, people poo-pooed it. They thought that it was, it was a joke of the century. But he made, I mean, some significant input and said, look, if you look at Russia, in spite of the economic attacks, embargoes, and all that placed on them by the West, because their currency was backed by gold, they were able to withstand the pressures that, you know, uh, that came with these embargoes and economic sanctions. Today, if you look at our fuel prices, it's dropped. I mean, more or less as compared to a year ago. I'm a chief executive of an institution. Mm -hmm. Exactly a year ago, I was for my same staff strength, which we subsidized with food. I was paying almost 800,000 CDs a month. But now it's down to around 500,000. So I have seen some reduction in terms of... I, I want to move from the economy, but your friend Sam George sends a message. Uh, I just want to read greetings to him. This is not his election. <laughs> so, so tell Sam George, I don't respond to him. This is not his election. <laughs> but uh, it's the election of the NDC. Uh, no, no, no. It's not his election. You, you told me that I'm not here to talk about John Muhammad's comparison. <laughs> so it will be an accident in history for me to respond to Sam George on this matter. Okay, it's not a question. It's an information. Uh, well, he said I, I, should... I won't take Bible lessons <laughs> from a beer bar. When it comes <laughs> hey, to hey, the fact that you supervise his slapping in Iowa, so does it mean you have an attack I, I, I his on my show? Okay. I reject it. Let me read it anyway. No, no, but I'm saying that. Oh, but why are you allowing you to read some George's so you bully me. thing? And no, because you told Fine. me I was going into that. Fine. Mahama I'm not reading it. You, I'm not reading you, it you to told you. me that it is, you are I'm, not here I'm to discuss it for you. It's, it's a, reading it for who? Yeah, I'm reading it for my listeners. Okay, so I'm not supposed to answer. <laughs> Don't so answer. I can plead the yes, plead okay, the that's fine. He said, Aweche, please correct my friend, Sami Uku, mm -hmm. <laughs> that the city did not gain strength in 2017, 2018, 2019, as he claimed. Mm -hmm. At no time in the last seven years has the city been lower than the four cities to the dollar that John Muhammad left behind. Again, remind him that the stability of the dollar is artificial because since November last year, we have not serviced any foreign loan. I have moved on from this. We are done. Don't okay. comment. Since, Let since me move you. to comment, I won't comment. Let me move you to I this one. A, we will have a better debate between us and the NDC when happy. we are done with our primary. Sammy, if you and I but have let me express my deepest condolences to Sam George, the MP for Ningo Pram Pram, and the good people of Ningo Pram Pram, the passing away of uh, the honorable, the late honorable E.T. Mensa, the very man that Sam George uh, orchestrated his removal from parliament. Sammy? Yes, sir. He has also not responded to this, so let's Thank proceed. You. Thank you. My concern, um, <laughs> you just thrown me off there. I haven't thrown you if off. I, if, I had, if we were having this chat yes. when you were organizer or yes. youth organizer, I'm sure Kennedy Paul would have been the last person you would think of as a flag bearer, hopeful, or even a flag bearer of any patriotic party. And we were even speaking last year, I'm sure you would have not thought of Kennedy Paul as someone you should worry about. But now he's there, and he says he'll show you showdown or give you a showdown. How are you going to? maneuver and get out of the hurdle that is Kennedy upon on Saturday as a campaign team? I, I, we, we do not underestimate the strength of any of our opponents. 
Kennedy, the Honorable Kennedy Japon, the Honorable Dr. Efriye Akuto, and the Honorable Francis Adainimo, our formidable opponents of Dr. Baumia. We treat all of them with respect. We do not underrate. We do not underestimate the strength of any of them. We give them that respect that they deserve. These are stalwarts of our party. And not because there's a contest, we're going to run them down. Because after Saturday, we believe that we will emerge victorious on that day. And after that day, we definitely have to get the unity that we desire uh, to, to move this party into 2024. So, yes, I won't single out Honorable Kennedy Japan, but I'll say that we treat all the aspirants with that same respect. It's like a two-horse race. You have to. You have uh, to well, respond to... Well, you he has said so many things against your candidates. Yes. Do you plan to respond to them well, as there, campaign there, manager? There are some, there are some that, I mean, these are clear... Um, 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 uh, these are statements that cannot be supported uh, with any evidence. For instance, if you say that somebody offered you $800 million to become a running mate, then the person might ask, well, if he had that money, use it to push his agenda. And again, when you become running mate, so what money are you people going to use to run the campaign? So, so it doesn't sound logical for it you. It doesn't. For, from where we said, again, no, none of the aspirants, I can tell you, can pay that 5,000 cities that Honorable Kennedy Japan and his camp also alleged that people were planning to, to pay. If you, by simple calculation, if you take your phone and multiply 5,000 cities by 204,000 delegates, 5,000 cities mm -hmm. by 204,000 delegates, 204,000 delegates. The figure it gives you, I'm not sure you can even mention. I can't It's this one called OPPP. OPPP. It's almost in billions. But you're vice president. Maybe you have, where maybe are you going to get that? Then that means you should be a candidate for jail. Mm. Where, where is the person going to get it from? Mm. And that, the, the, the last one that me, myself, I was accused of, um, the, the sharing pickups on behalf yeah. of the vice president, I gave you it didn't to my boys. No. So, I mean, so, so, so these issues do come up. But honestly speaking, it is very normal to weigh campaigns. Mm -hmm. Internal campaigns are intense. Internal campaigns can be very acrimonious. We don't want it like that, but it's, it's it an has African become that. election. If, if your candidate wins, can he have a United NPP to lead? I think Dr. Baumia has demonstrated um, a large capacity to stomach everybody in his belly. And I say this without any shred of uh, doubt that he should be able to do that. If you take someone like the Honorable Frederick Oparians, he was a campaign campaign of the Honorable Alan Martin for several years. Mm -hmm. If you take the Honorable Kofi Jamis, he was Alan's campaign manager at a point in time. If you take Dr. Marcus Sibeyaboy, if you take the Odotobri, they are all your team now. They are all in our team now helping. And again, he welcomes everybody, regardless of wherever he comes from. So Baumia's campaign team is like a United Nations. Everybody is in there playing different roles, and we, we see all of us as family. On Saturday, so reaching out to our colleagues mm. to come on board shouldn't be a problem. On Saturday, around this time, we should be we should be seeing a picture or you know the full results. Do you have a, a percentage you are working with that you anticipate to win by? Well, every campaign goes into an election with a percentage. With all the polls, all the analysis that we have done, um, we pray that the MPP delegates favors us with no less than seventy five percent. Even though the polls puts us to almost eighty percent. We believe that we've worked so hard. We deserve their support and their mandate. And Dr. Baumia, uh, if, if he's favored by the party and there is delegate, and just before you conclude, um, he'll become the first non-Akan candidate of the NPP and of Northern Extraction. So you are breaking the, the, you are breaking the Akan? Uh, well, the, the Democratic Party in the U.S. had to make a sacrifice like that 
in 2008 when they pushed a young senator from Illinois, Barack Obama. When Obama became their candidate, the black population, voter population of America were around 17.5%. Out of the 17.5%, 35% of them were in jail, the blacks, serving jail terms for various offenses. But still, the American people chose hope over fear. They pushed this young man who captured the imagination of the world and white America. The Democrats backed him to become president of the free world. The biggest beneficiary of that sacrifice of the Democratic Party was President Joe Biden when he recorded over 90% of the black vote in the year 2020. A time comes when sacrifices must be born in the supreme interest of our party and our country. And I believe that Dr. Baumia has what it takes to move the NPP to break the eight and for us to also be uh, a party that will form a government in 2025. Campaign manager for Dr. Mahmoud Baumia's campaign, Samir Oku, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, Maru. And we, we wish you all the uh, best. Thank you. Saturday. And we hope to see you uh, on Saturday during the declaration. I'll be at the stadium. Thank you. Uh, I'll be at the stadium. I'll and be then, watching your face yeah. and your reaction. Yes, I'm, I'll yeah. be seeing the results on your on your face. Uh, if, you smile, yeah, if you smile, then and, uh, I know things are we, looking we good. We pray that um, it, it will be a vote of destiny and a vote where definitely the party people will make a choice. And it's that decision that will, Saturday's vote will either break the eight or the eight will break us. What, what that means is that if your candidate doesn't win, you cannot break the eight. All those contesting, all the four gentlemen who are on the ballot are worthy, are worthy candidates and candidates that can give the NDC a run for their money. But the, the one who will make the work easier for us to break the eight is Dr. Baumia. I wish the rest of the aspirants the best of luck, but I wish my candidate success on Saturday. Thank you so much for speaking Thank to you. us. That's Samir Oku. He's Director General NLE, but he's also Campaign Manager for Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, the Vice President, who is going into an election on Saturday against three other members as the NPP looks for a new flag bearer. 97.3 CTFM and CDTV would cover that extensively for you and will bring you the results as they come through. But that will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Beverly London and Kobna Wilson. Technical support from Daniel Kwashi. New media support from Daniel Abogri. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973. 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 City 973.